The forest calls, and heroes shall answer! The old Margrave Forest is an ancient wood, already old when most of the gods were young. Kingdoms rise and fall beyond its borders, but the Margrave remains a world apart, a place where memories and old magic linger in the rings of trees. It has plenty of secrets and treasures to tempt adventurers, but those who fail to honor the old ways do not return. The 60 pages of the Margrave Player's Guide for 5th edition give you everything you need to journey into the deep, dark woods and come out again alive, or achieve a hero's death worthy of story and song. Here you'll find three new playable races from the deep woods, new barbarian primal paths for bear folk characters, forest-themed class options for clerics, druids, rangers, rogues, warlocks, and wizards, 13 new companion beasts including everything from alligators and falcons to a giant mongoose, forest hounds, and rare stags, six new feats and a new forest dweller background with a feral variant, 45 new spells including shadow tree, Legion of Rabbit Squirrels, Mark Prey, and Revive Beast. New magic items including Bracelet of the Fire Tender, Circlet of Holly, and Sickle of Thorns. The gods speed you on your quest, heroes. Stay to the path. Beware the human-sounding whispers from the shadows. And never, ever light a torch after midnight. Support Crit Academy by picking up this amazing product at www.critacademy.com slash Press. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. My co-host, Brandon. And I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. Thank you guys for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Your roles are like a lazy DM. We're not all bad. Well, just uh, mostly. <laughs> Speaking of which, something awesome happened with your character when you were gone. What is happening to my character while I was gone? It, it, it well, was, we'll talk about that in a minute. It, it wasn't that. Yeah, we'll do that. We, <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us. We got a really exciting uh, episode for you guys today. We have a really great question from uh, patron Stephen Kern in regards to spells in the real world. Our main topic today is three... three Tier design for a busy GM, which I'm really excited about because with the show and the content creation and everything, I'm super busy. So this was a really cool uh, article I found from uh, Raging Swan Press, and I am super excited for our Unearthed Tips and Tricks today. Our character concept is going to be fun as hell, and I am super excited to talk about the You're Not Worthy character concept. So, if, if you have Facebook, I'm sure you've, you've probably seen this meme go yeah, around a few we, times it, already. It was based on a, a meme that uh, <laughs> Richard Handron had uh, posted in our uh, Crit, Crit Nation community group. So, But before all that, we spend Yo, a few minutes talking talk. about what's going on in our realms. 
Um, and really, the one thing I want to talk about is uh, I was gone all weekend to <laughs> hail to the God King. Thanks, Wizard. Um, I was gone all weekend. I went and visited my dad because my granddad, Moose, was being entered into the Hall of Fame of the, the school that he taught at, that he coached at, that um, I'm pretty sure he was a principal at as well, um, down in Muhammad, uh, it was Muhammad Seymour uh, High School. So I was really excited for that. It was an honor to be a part of that. And I hadn't seen my dad in a while, so I got to hang out with him. And you know what I've learned? Schools these days have way too much fancy shit. Fancy <laughs> of shit like what? Uh, they got all kinds of cool shit, man. We went there. The football players had like their own sports memorabilia. Like they had the little like signs and posters with them in it. Like a, like a professional. It was the craziest thing. And they, the area had so much technology. It like knocked my socks off. I was like, we had a big H football goal post and a field. And that was pretty much it. And then there's the uh, football stadiums in Texas for high schools. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Uh, it was uh, it was a learning experience for sure. Actually, one well, of my coworkers they was the station down in Texas one time, and they could not keep the photographers hired because the local high school football teams were paying them more. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a really cool experience, and it was a really great honor. He had a, a profound impact on a lot of the kids there, so that was pretty cool. That's awesome. So it was a busy weekend. Um, also, we went out and picked pumpkins, and there's a picture of me floating around on our our, our, our patron uh, patron's uh, uh, Discord of me holding the uh, like a three-foot gourd around my junk, and it looks like I have a monstrous cock. It's hilarious. Ironic. <laughs> and then uh, I think uh, Tate commented with you, you're now the gourd king. <laughs> I, I love how we never grow so, up. No, never, never, ever. No fun. <laughs> that being said, I think that'll do it for In the Realm. Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can go to CritAcademy.com, and they can go to a link that we have there for Audible.com. And you can become a member there, and you can get a 30-day free trial and a free ebook. And you get to keep that ebook even if you unsubscribe. That's awesome. I recommend the audiobook stuff. It's all, I listen to this shit all the time. And when you're going to, to and from work, when you're out of our episodes, you can listen to some of that stuff. Uh, that being said, let's move on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Well, I was going to tell you about your character. What happened last oh, night? Oh, Brandon. Why don't you tell me what you did while I was gone? They all played D&D in my man cave without me. Well, you were out of state. So. You, you were out. And you, you said it was okay, so piss off. <laughs> and Fair enough. The, the problem was, is... Uh, uh, they they own a pub now. Yep, called the Brick House. Yeah, that his his character's name is Brick. He's got red skin, a big red beard, <laughs> half orc. He's awesome. He's basically acts. And from he was he wasn't yes. there, so I had to figure out a way to to role play him. And couldn't have been that hard. He's there, pretty there, simplistic. There, there was an explosion in Troll Skull Alley. Why? I'm not telling you because that's a spoiler. Oh, okay. Well, some people come in and there's a lady that's shucking up, and uh, Zorax. Um, uh, Austin's character comes up and says, "Hey, you know, what? we'll get you some some soups, some, some food for you, free, free, okay?" And you can hear Brick and go, "It's not free." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "No, it's on the house. Actually, you know what? It's on me." <laughs> Brick goes, "Uh, okay, whatever you want." He walks up to him with a bowl of soup and pours it on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> That's totally <laughs> something I would do. Yeah, so you say it's on you, so I go back to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it, man. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> That's glorious. Oh, I love Brick. The He's brick awesome. They have the Brick out. Um, so our question for our Let's Talk About Blank segment comes from Stephen Kern. The question in its t- subject, question for the show. 
Apparently he forgot the name of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> My question for you guys is a fun one. Yay. If you could cast any D&D spell in real life, which would it be and why? And if you can't choose just one of them, maybe give your top three. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Now, before we continue, Wish is off the table. Obviously. Because that's pretty much any other spell for the most part. So um, I think we can each pick one and talk about why we think it would be useful and how why we would choose that one. Ian, do you want to start? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with True Polymorph. Oh, yeah? And why is that? Just because there's so many options with that available. It's like, I can become this creature and I can do this many things. Although, I'll admit, Simulcrim, there was a close second just so I can go, okay, you're going to work for me today. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so I can see a lot of benefits to that. First of all, can you can affect other people with it, right? It's not, or is it just a self thing? I think you can affect other people with it. But, oh, dude, yeah. that is a superhero power that I would love to do. Like, changing bad guys into shitty creatures. <laughs> like, you get to be a frog and I'm hungry for some legs. <laughs> um, I definitely can see that one. That one's a good choice. A lot of versatility in it. Um, and very terrifying, if you think about it. Uh -huh. Like, when, when they change, does their bones, like, crack and break and crunch and twist and... You can hear as you're like shape shifting. That'd be awesome, Brandon. What would you pick? Well, it was true polymorph, but uh, <laughs> I did choose a backup just in case someone took it because it's that that's that's such a versatile spell. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can I be can whatever the hell you want. But uh, the other one I think would be hellish rebuke. Oh yeah, if, if just so when somebody kicks your ass, if, you... if someone comes and slaps you, you can be like, burn them up. <laughs> So you want basically to burn, you want something very dangerous to hurt other people. Either that or, uh, was it, was it Phantasmal Force? Ooh, Is that where you can, that's you a good can create, one. you can make somebody experience a powerful real life illusion to the point that they try to justify it, the, the, the failure of the nonsensical shit that happens. Yeah. Like crossing a bridge and falling through and, oh, I must have fell off the bridge. Yeah, that's the it. fact that there's not a bridge there. That's a really good one. <laughs> that one definitely could be um, useful in a lot of ways because you could really manipulate a lot of people. Um, the Ooh. problem is it only affects one person at a time. Do you know what one I would take? Suggestion. No. <laughs> Modify memory. <laughs> that's evil. Imagine what you could do if you could alter people's memories. You beat the shit someone and tell them that you didn't do it. Well, not only that, you can make them think and add whatever you want. The world is your oyster. People who are vicious and violent, you can you can modify their their thoughts to the point that they don't all those things that make them violent are no longer there. So you could turn a, a horrible mean person into a delicate flower. Imagine what kind of therapist I would be. I'd be the best therapist in the world. Okay, then. I could start with fixing my own problems. Modify your own to become smarter. I don't know that that works, but okay. <laughs> oh, what, what's that one where you can create like a, a pocket dimension you can hide in? Uh, there's a, is it rope, rope, uh, rope trick? Rope yeah. trick? Yeah. Rope trick? It's a good one. I thought about teleportation too. There's a, honestly, there's a lot of them. If I had yeah. to go with like a can trip though, mending, I'd be the best Mr. Fix It in the fucking world. Like, it's broke. Bam. It's fixed now, bitch. <laughs> That'll be $10,000. <laughs> Didn't matter what the problem is. You could fix it. Didn't have to understand anything about it. Just fix it. Man, that would be awesome. What's in your tool belt? Fuck Batman. <laughs> That's all I need. So, I think my, my, my memory would be probably my top pick, though. That's a good one. So. 
All right. I actually like this question. I like fun stuff like this. So if you guys got more fun questions, please submit them. I'd love to answer shit like this. Um, but definitely um, tell us what your guys' top picks. <laughs> Teleportation for repos. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Wizard Tedious. That's funny. <laughs> You'd be the best repo man in town, in the world. Um, I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Before we move on to our main topic today, as with every week, we have a special gift to give away. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Who's our winner today, Brandon? Uh, our winner today is Zach W. Peters. I'm pretty sure it's Zach. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Zach. <laughs> I like your enthusiasm. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations, Zach W. Peters. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave a review. Peter. Our main topic today, I am really excited for this. For So those of you that are following chat, I'll actually copy and post the, uh, the link to the original article um, so you can access it if you want. I found this article. Rage, I signed up for Raging, uh, uh, Raging Swan uh, Press material. I highly recommend you do the same. They've got all kinds of amazing RPG content. But uh, this uh, article oh. called Three Tier Design. Is this like a cheat sheet for DMs? Yeah. And so it, it's pretty interesting. So this was written by Cretan Broadhurst. He is the publisher at Raging Swan Press. And in the three tier design enables a GM or DM or whatever terminology you want to use to prioritize what's important for an upcoming session or an adventure and to use his, um, the, your preparation time as effectively as possible. Um, and as its name suggests, it's broken down into a three-tier design that comprises of three distinct facets of the development process, which I think is awesome. This is really interesting overall because one thing that I've noticed throughout my, my GMing or DMing career is that you pick up little tricks to make the process go a little faster. Um, and that doesn't always get shared with everyone. Um, we try to do the most common things, you know, tag stuff, do little, you know, like um, what are the little dividers and sticky notes and all that jazz. No cards. Um, but sometimes, yeah, no cards is a good one. But sometimes there's just techniques in the development process um, that really helps get it done quicker. And as adults, well, we're adults, we're busy, we have a lot going on, um, some more than others. And so it's nice that sometimes you have to, um, you don't have all that many, many hours of development that you would like to have when it comes to putting your, your um, game on the you have to put it on the back burner sometimes. And mm. that, can, that can lead to a not as prepared game, right, Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> so they break it uh so Cretan uh here breaks it down i hope i'm saying that right if i'm not sorry i don't need to be um prepared. tier uh, <laughs> so the first tier is he says uh tier one items are absolutely critical for the success of a session or adventure it comprises of stuff 
with which the PCs are virtually certain to interact with. Now, this is super important because, you know, no matter how big your world is, your <clears throat> the players aren't going to be dealing with the majority of it. You know, we got multiple planes in the universe and we've never... We, we don't go through and prepare everything that's going on, right? I say, I'm pretty sure the first time we're ever going to visit Avernus is in the Avernus book. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. In fact, I mean, that's a, that's actually a good example with Descent, of, uh, Descent into Avernus. We've never gone to hell before. Why not? There's no reason why we couldn't. Right? right. It's not until the people at Wizards are like, we should put a book about that. I'll bet you most, most people don't run there, you know? So in this Tier 1 design, um, the Tier 1 items include things like the villain, maybe the guards, uh, the main locations in the dungeon, and maybe some unique items or two. Yep. That, that's really the overall... Exam that's a really good overall high-level view of what's going to be contained in your adventure that night, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what other stuff do you expect to find in there, uh, uh, Ian, according to uh, Cretan? Well, other examples can include the Village Inn, where Avengers normally stay, clergy at the local temple for spellcasting services and more, and uh, the GM could also concentrate on prepping all the Tier 1 items before moving on to Tier 2. So, now, this is really great. So, if you do it in this process, at the very least, if you don't get any more time to jump into anything, you've got the villain flushed out. What? No, wizard. Rock on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> if you've got the villain flushed out and some of the main locations and a couple magic items and some basic service locations, the players are definitely going to interact with those things. So even if you don't get to the Tier 2 or Tier 3 stuff, you still have a good overall layout of what you expect to build. So, and honestly, I'm already using this technique after I discovered it uh, when I got the email recently. So I think that this is... I don't use. I usually think at too high of a level. I think, and I realize you don't really need that much developed uh, beforehand. So with this tier one, if you don't make it to tier two and tier three, you're gonna at least have a good hour hour or two of material ready to go, and that the players can interact with. That gives you kind of time to build onto it during the game. Um, is there anything in the tier one system you think that has been overlooked in these three bullets that you guys think would you would add? I think it comes to mind that some variant, something that we already mentioned, so... Okay. What about you, B? Like, what if there, if in this Tier 1 section, is there something you think that's super important that's not here that probably should be here? I'm not sure. If you got, if you got, no, that's fine. The only thing I think that would be missing here is when it talks about the having the villain and the guards in the main locations, I think that... At least at this tier, and we'll find out if it's in a higher tier later. To me, some sort of count encounter idea needs to be fleshed out here. It doesn't have to be written out in full detail, just an encounter concept like we do on the show. Okay, if they run into the guards, is it going to be a chase scene? Is it oh. going to be a straight-up fighting scene? Is it going to be, you know, an investigation? I, would at, I feel like I, at this tier, I would at the very least have something like that. Now, obviously, when we get to these other tiers, we'll see sense. where he where he decided it needed to go. Yep. Um, but honestly, um, and this is going to vary for every person, but this is a really good skeletal diagram for you to kind of reference when you're super busy and don't have time to write all that crap out. And I say crap loosely. It's not all crap. It depends on the DM. Yep. <laughs> then only some of it is crap. Um, so at the Tier 2 design, uh, the Tier 2 items, uh, Creighton considers those the PCs will eh, probably encounter during the adventure session, but maybe not necessarily depending on how distracted they get. Like me, uh, especially you've seen this a lot with Brick lately, when once I 
you introduce me with a character, um, I uh, I will talk to that person and interact with that person probably far more than most people. Oh yeah, which sometimes can uh, <laughs> slow the game down a little bit. But that's that's what that's my fun in role play. So I try to make sure I get as much out of it as I can, but not necessarily. And I don't think I pull too much. Do you think I pull too much from you guys? <laughs> no. What? Speaking of which, oh shit! When I was reading ahead in the book, right, preparing for the game yesterday. I, I read ahead and said, okay, this is about as far as we usually get, so I'll stop here. Because you weren't here to stop the campaign dead in its tracks of Brick talking all the time, we ended up going like a whole page ahead of that. It's like, I didn't read this far. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> it's because I like to role play, okay? <laughs> and I understand as a, uh, as a player and as a DM that sometimes I can get a little overzealous and I try to not pull from the other people and I like try to shout out names to give to pull yeah. people's opinions into it but brick does talk to a lot of people um and you, you missed it it was great because as i started talking as brick the other person was like no 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 you're so doing just, it wrong no i'm doing it right They're oh like, just, 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 just <laughs> shut up shut up let's keep going <laughs> yeah. i still recall one time at the uh store when i once re- replaced ac nail old dude so hard i actually made one of the players pause and out here go I hate old people. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, oh, sure. Creighton says that tier two items could include random encounters. So now he's getting into the encounters, specifically random encounters, minor NPCs in a town, perhaps skilled craftsmen, a, a couple of thieves, and so on. Those are a little more um, specific features that the area will have more so than like the general layout of the innkeeper and the merchant uh world building elements such as interesting rumors and legends leading to alternate adventures nearby locales of interest and you know much more so that that's pretty interesting so right here in the middle in his tier two is when you start to flush out the 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 knowledge of the people in the area right specifically i like that he talks about rumors and legends that lead to other things because we've talked about on the show including stuff like that in your in your adventures that may not necessarily be tied to the plot but could uh what is it uh, foreshadow uh potential options later on or maybe draw them into something that they're maybe underpowered for or something like that right mm-hmm. anything i missed about that like, hey, i think hey, we've hey, talked about here. that uh this also shows that uh, most uh, GMs can improvise Tier 2 items, if that's necessary, but may need to write down stuff after the matter. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like like when you guys came across the that first that first pub. Mm-hmm. Yep. You were, you were supposed to go to the Awning Portal. You didn't. You went somewhere else. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have to make up some guy off the fly. I can't even remember his fucking name. <laughs> I, have it, stuff down. I have it written down. Oh, I was going to say, that's a pro DM tip right there. When you make something up on the fly, write it down. Yeah, I did write it down. It's in that notebook over there. I just can't remember who it was. <laughs> I just remember he was drunk off his ass and he took his, his uh, bar key. <laughs> oh, he's dead now, so I guess that don't matter. <laughs> I'm talking about his other character, not the Yeah, you, you had me beat him to death. This was thinking that one meme. <laughs> so what happened last week? Well, I worked to my notes. One health potion, three gobbles a dungeon, and that dude was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which dude? I don't know that dude. <laughs> um, so what I think is interesting about this is he says include random encounters. But the previous bullet point doesn't specifically talk about make sure you have counters built. Um, and so maybe that's supposed to be part of the including the villain and his guards type stuff in main locations in the dungeon. But it doesn't really talk about encounters. But now here we just specifically call out random encounters. 
I'm not personally a fan of too many random encounters. I do use them, but generally they're more fleeting than that. Like in Descent into Avernus, oh, there's going to be all kinds. Well, I, I guess that depends if Brandon runs it or not, but there's going to be all kinds of shit just randomly flying overhead and stuff going on that they, it's a random quote unquote encounter, but not necessarily one that leads to a fight or anything like that. We should make us awesome run that. As punishment for reading ahead and giving away spoilers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I guess it's awesome, you fucker. You're gonna run it. Yeah. Us. Hey, if you're interested, Austin, you can uh, be our DM I, since your pl- friends I, didn't show up. I told him that. I said, "Hey, uh, stop throwing shit from Avernus on the Facebook. You're pissing Justin off." <laughs> I was mad. I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with this guy?" Um, we, we love you, Austin. <laughs> a little less now. <laughs> Uh, a little more. Uh, so, uh, well, it'll be a little more if he decides to run it instead of me. But So, I do like that he talks about, you know, the improvisation and stuff. But he points out that in Tier 2, you should prepare. You should be concentrating on preparing all Tier 2 items before moving to Tier 3. So, even if you improvise some stuff, you really want to focus on what he calls Tier 2 uh, building. Which really is the fleshing out of the more specific details and the points of interest and stuff like that. Which is great because, honestly, if you're like me and the players give you ideas, that's a great time to record that stuff and implement it into your your campaign and adventures. I've heard many DMs say that their best ideas came from them, their players shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The players are creative as hell. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of pissed because one of you guys, you said, you said something that wasn't part of of the story and i wanted to write that down and put it somewhere but i forgot to write it down and then you forgot what it was and i forgot what it was <laughs> i think the, i think one meme that highlights the best was uh the warehouse you, you guys approached yes <laughs> you guys approached a warehouse so it was like a warehouse like a werewolf <laughs> it is now <laughs> um so that's that's pretty interesting is there anything you think would should be in this tier that's not included I would say, like, um, this could probably apply for Tier 3 as well once we get there, but I would say it, it might be stuff that the players may or may not encounter that, even if you don't use it during that session. You might you could still easily use it in, in a later one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's mm-hmm. a good one. I like that. So, to me, the if once you make it to Tier 2, to me, this is where you want to include player backgrounds, player story arcs, player things that make them important. If I know Ian loves his combat, this is where I'm going to spend a lot of time making sure I build a combat encounter, like two flying ship battles with a dragon flying around him, because I know he likes that stuff. Or if I know Brandon loves the the creative roleplay aspect, I'm going to make sure that there's some sort of interaction that doesn't necessarily include combat, but I want to make sure I I develop something just for him. And Austin loves his grappling hook, so I want to make sure that I put an encounter with a giant thing over a big giant uh, chasm so he can use his grappling hook that he loves using to, to reach over there easily um and to me that should be happening at tier two and should be super important before anything else because that's the stuff that's going to hook your players and that's going to draw them into to the game more he only loves using it if it doesn't fail what he only loves using it if it doesn't fail <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah it's a good idea in general to incorporate like uh let's use player abilities or stuff from their background into it the sad part, though, was my, the example I immediately thought of in my head 
let's let's say Phil here for his his uh, physician character to specialize in proctology somehow worked that into that. <laughs> like nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't know what what is this? Mixing uh, character backstories for your future stories. That's awesome. Which, which is kind of what's happening now in our game. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's that's the sort of stuff that's really important that can drive uh, player interest in the game. And to me, that should be tier two because there's a lot he talks about in tier three that to me this stuff is more important. And I'm surprised isn't really touched on here unless that's what he's kind of talking about world building elements. I mean that's pretty generic, but um, I kind of understand that. But I think that random encounters being on there should be like that should be gone that should be like tier three bullcrap because that's shit that eh, it might happen it might not whatever but you're going to if you're a good dm you're going to absolutely include <laughs> stories that the characters have developed yeah but, so, but yeah definitely take into account players backgrounds sometimes because sometimes i remember one game where i created a very intricate background that included a fact that, like, yeah, the government leaders in this city kind of sort of really want me dead pretty hardcore. Guess where the very first starting town was? And I thought I said to the DM, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> no, really, why am I here? Because your character's, uh, maybe it was captured, I don't know. No, no. I, but that's a good example. You wouldn't have gone there if you were under search. Uh, one right. little spark does says, except if the backstory is 19 pages. Really, really <laughs> quick. <laughs> Um, don't write 19 page backstories, or if you do send bullet points to your DM, because <laughs> I forget yeah. a lot like, of that here's stuff my backstory. when it's that long. The, this is a novel. It's like, yeah, I know I published it and it's already sold 300 copies. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brendan Sanderson. What the, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, anyway, so I would be surprised if that's how a couple of the books started. <laughs> right, right. Uh, actually I read a thing that talked about how he started. He worked on like third shift at a hotel. Yeah. And so there was never anybody around. So he wrote books. He was writing his books sitting at a hotel. I still laugh at one time where, where he's like, I know to clear my palate one time. I decided to do a small writing exercise for myself just to, uh, throw some ideas into a page. And I think, you know, I'm like, Hey, I wrote a novel. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read Elantris, by the way, it's a single book that's really, uh, I finished that recently, and it really is a eye opener for just being yep. a single a single book in the entry. Anyways, well, so actually, I was gonna say too, like make sure your backstories make sense in many cases. Like I saw like something that made fun of that hardcore where a guy came like an intricate background where he used to be king of a kingdom, but was destroyed by a dragon, and he eventually tracked down and slayed the dragon through hard hard one fight. That's my backstory. And then the next picture, this character died because he was level one, got slayed by level two goblins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta keep them real we're getting off track but yeah, yeah. if you're a player don't make your backstories make you ultimately powerful or come up with a reason why you're level one or at Remember, least Stephen King once said if you write a page a day you'll have a novel in a year yeah oh snap that's genius <laughs> I need to start writing more <laughs> Anyways, uh, so on tier three, a Cretan says tier three items are those that PCs are unlikely to encounter, but the GM wants to design anyway. So he gives us a, a good list of examples here. Uh, most GMs are uh, inveterate world builders. I, would you agree with that? I mean, most of us like building worlds, well, right? Inveterate's a big word. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. You should have known Anyways, that. 
<laughs> Tier 3 <laughs> items mainly uh, comprises items that add depth to the campaign, but which the PCs are likely unlikely to actually encounter directly. And by the way, having a particular habit, activity, or interest that is a long-term establishment and unlikely to change. <laughs> there you go. You weren't listening, were you? No, I was reading. <laughs> what did you say? He gave you the definition. Having a particular habit, activity, or interest that's long established and unlikely to change. Oh, so we Tro- write like, a lot of like words. Troy is inveterate with characters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, him and uh, Stephen both, man. So, uh, for example, the political machinations of a kingdom's ruling elite could subtly affect the PCs, but the PCs are unlikely to ever actually come in contact with the nobles themselves. So, honestly. I write like a bullet point for that stuff. Like, <laughs> it's a count. The city's run by a council. Here they are. That's it. That's about the extent of it. Now, if the players get to that location, then I might flesh it out. But eh, whatever. <laughs> what are uh, some other examples, Brandon? Uh, other examples of tier three items could include detailed timelines of the campaign area, uh, stat blocks for NPCs important to the kingdom. Uh, such as the king or legendary wizard, which obviously you said they probably would never come in contact with. Uh, and the PCs, <laughs> yeah, the PCs will never meet, and so on. Yeah. So basically, we're thinking of tier three as the GM's guilty pleasures and indulgences, which I think is is hilarious. The one thing I would touch on here is I think if you're going to do a timeline, that should be one of the first things you do. A t- uh, drawing a, a basic timeline of events. Helps you with not only calendar, holidays, and events, but it also helps you detail critical events. Like if it's earth-shattering, cataclysmic type stuff, that needs to be be expressed in amount of time. And where does your adventure take place during it? Is it recent history or is it long past? I, yeah, I can definitely see this also being like uh, NPCs that randomly pop up every now and then that don't necessarily contribute towards the main points of the story, but... right. Like that one uh, rogue adventure that always pops up every now and then. That always seems to be one step ahead of the players. <laughs> the, the, the players go, I hate that guy. Even though he doesn't actually do anything wrong. <laughs> um, so for me, do you guys think uh, overall, is there anything you guys think the tier three should include that isn't part of this bulleted list here? See, like deities and stuff follow fall into that for me. Mm-hmm. Unless a character has picked a specific one, then I might go out of my way to make sure that stuff's fleshed out. The other stuff that I do is, I'm not a big map drawer. I don't draw world maps. Do you do that? Nope. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, so I'm... I mean, Dawn to of me, World this is, is fun. Yeah, that was but, fun. Yeah. Like, if I was starting a fresh world, day. huh? Shane Brandon wasn't there for that that day. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, was, that was a fun thing. If you haven't found that, you should go back and find that episode. It's great. Doors it, rule. There's it good one. I know, uh... <laughs> My brother-in-law, his his D and D party, uh, they're doing Pathfinder, and they did a uh, Dawn of Worlds to make their world. They uh, show they nope. show me their world map, and I'm like, what the fuck did you guys do? <laughs> like I've seen people like uh, chuck dice onto paper and just draw islands around them, and different shaped dice mean different yep. types of uh, land features. Yeah, I saw that. So, there was a there was a TikTok video going around of that, and I think um, overall, I think this is actually a pretty good guide that can help guide your development of your process it even has a little image like a bullseye and stuff you know the little yellow areas tier one and then it works out from there and there are a few things that i would add to this and you can do that you can grab this and just make your own little bullet points along it 
Um, we've kind of talked about what, what I think that should be added to each little tier. That being said, as it is, it's a very great guide to helping you get your stuff together with not a lot of prep time. Oh, yeah. And that's something that as adults we have to deal with a lot, I think, and can be challenging at times, I think. Uh, so. How's it when meme go? When I was a kid, I had no way for, for video games. But as an adult, I have no time for video games. Right? <laughs> I'm Monty. <laughs> I just, that just that blows me away, man. I'm just so sad at that. It's like, it's so true. I had a crap ton of time in high school, but now I'm an adult and I work and I have money. I don't have any time. <laughs> yep, that's the truth, man. Um, overall, what did you guys think about this, this layout and this design from... Uh, the Raging Swan Press. I think it's a good, quick, and dirty way to, to get stuff going and, and to put stuff in the back tier. Yeah, I agree. Back pocket. What about you? I, I think it's the epiphany of being lazy. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, though. Which is what it's about, being a lazy DM. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and there's and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a lazy DM. Um, actually, there's a guy called the Lazy GM, GM, I think, or Lazy DM, who's pretty got some good articles too. Um, but overall, this sort of stuff is a powerful tool for you when you're for any DM. Doesn't matter which game you're playing um, for world development and the pro and all those processes. What I would do is use this as a template, like post it and then just write all my little notes underneath it in like red, <laughs> so and fill it out that way. I think that'll do it for this three-tier design for A Busy GM by Raging Swan Press. Is there any piece of advice you guys would give when it comes to prep um, and the order of designing your campaigns that we didn't touch on? Not me, because I don't prep shit. Well, no one ever guessed in the past. <laughs> Definitely, um... Har or Mary Rich. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Uh, Kevin's saying, like, uh, note cards. I write down basic outlines. I write down all my needed NPCs and occasional spells and magic items on note cards. That's all I take with me to games. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got one piece of huge advice that isn't in this at all, which surprises me. Use generators. Um, Donjon oh, yeah. generators are effing amazing. They <laughs> they take care of everything. <laughs> um, and it can make it so much easier. Like when you guys run into NPCs, I have their race, their name, their hair color, their equi basic equipment they're carrying, and a general like one-liner of their their out their persona, and all of that is a, a random list that I get from Don John. I'll see if I can find that link and I'll toss it in the. And for that matter, the DMG has some pretty decent tables in the back too. Yeah. Yeah, that takes too long. I can just type in Don John and get get a generator. And then that reminds me. Uh, what what uh one spark saying about chuckles says oh just win the lottery and you don't have to worry about working. I remember seeing a uh, a post maybe a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody was playing, I think it was Pokemon Alpha Sapphire, mm -hmm. or something like that. And in the newer games, you can come across uh, packs of Pokemon instead of just one. Mm -hmm. yeah. It came across one, and every single one of them was a shiny. What? Yeah, it was a pack of five. I can't remember what they were, but they were all shiny versions of what they what they were. And they posted that line like Reddit or something. And mm -hmm. someone did the math. And it's like, uh, the, the the likelihood of this popping up on this video game, you would have won the national lottery four times in a row before this would have ever happened. Wow. Yeah. Who's it, Kadius? My motto: beginning, middle, and plot points. The rest is up to me reacting to the players. <laughs> <laughs> you have a beginning and a middle and an end. <laughs> I have an end. You know what it's called? This is the Death. big bad. 
It's up to them to figure out how to get there. <laughs> and I make it up as I go. You should see my notes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a monstrosity of nothing. But I think it's funny because you're like, hey, where are your notes at? It's like, I don't know. Where are your notes at? Well, I do have notes because I have plot points. Yeah, but, but your notes aren't a napkin. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I do recommend plot points. You don't need an entire world fleshed out. You just need plot points. Then the big bad and the plot points, and that's it. And let the players set the rest up. Because you can really make it up. For instance, let's say we want to make one up right now. You want to do a quick and dirty adventure. Uh, somebody stole a painting. All right? All I need to know is who stole it and why. That's it. And then the players can say, well, I want to go look around town. All right, you, t- you find, uh, what's my Don John generator right here? Uh, you <laughs> Let's do any race, uh, NPCs, detailed. You get all the default cultures, I think. Oh, damn. What? That oh, made, what did you do? That okay, me, that so, stinks. so you run into Johnny Lark. He's a male half-elf rogue. Johnny has short red hair and green eyes and a straight beard and is wearing studded leather and appears to have a club at his hip. He gives you a stern, wide-eyed look as you approach. Eh, whatever. Make it up on the go and just write that guy's down name down later. Eh, keep it simple. Plus, you're less likely to railroad your players when they have when you don't have so much shit laid out. Check it, check it. <laughs> that being said, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. I really enjoyed this product. Uh, I recommend subscribing to his stuff. He's got really great content. That's where I get a lot of my insight into because I'm not smart. <laughs> uh, before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks, we have a gift to give away compliments of our buddy Chris at Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Loresmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ah, Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is... Shannon... I can't pronounce that last name. Is it Barniskis? Barniskis. Barniskis. Shannon Barniskis. Congratulations. Yeah, you probably want that, didn't you? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Congratulations. It's like, I read it earlier, so I didn't give a second thought. I was like, wait, how do I say that? <laughs> Congratulations, Shannon, who is, in fact, a patron of ours. Yeah. Um, we hope you enjoy the adventure. Please uh, consider leaving Laura Smith a review if you enjoy it. Now. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I am really excited to talk about this character concept today. This character, our character concept is called You're Not Worthy from Richard Handron. So it started off as, a, let's, let's get it out there. It started off as a meme. There's basically an armored soldier, a knight with a long sword stuck in a rock and he's running, dragging it around. It says, I told you fools, I'm not, I'm the chosen one, bunch of idiots. And he's running around with his weapon in the <laughs> sword in the stone, basically, but it's still stuck in the stone. Um, 
And so he submits it saying, here would be a fun character concept along with a magic item. Weapon starts out as a bludgeoning damage until the rock finally breaks away or chips away or is broken over time. When the sword is finally revealed, the PC can get the full benefits. Maybe he they find the real chosen one who wants their sword back. Um, he also added a little comment later on that says the big bad enemy guy. You want to be? The, I'm gonna be the big bad. You be the uh, the PC, okay? You want the chosen one. How do you come to possess the sword of insert dramatic name here? <laughs> really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Respect my divinity. <laughs> <laughs> so he's beating him with it. <laughs> um, so believe it or not, I have ran this character before. I ran a character who basically was built based off of a dumb King Arthur. And so when he pulled the sword from the stone and just he dragged the stone with it, it was a giant Goliath and he beat it. So I just reflavored them all. And that was the history is he was, he believed himself to be this, uh, the, the son born out of wetlock of this powerful, uh, leader. And he's trying to prove himself. And so he's running around fighting enemies with a, a legendary sword attached to a piece of, attached to a giant stone. Um, so I thought this was funny when I saw this because I have in fact done this. So what did you guys think about this character concept? I laughed just because I've seen this concept before in other memes. My personal favorite variant was like it, it was just saying this is sword of stone. He who lifts up the sword shall become king. Big dumb barbarian walks up, grabs the hilt, lifts the entire thing up off the ground. <laughs> I'm king. But you did pull this one up. I'm king. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I really like that. I get it. What about you, I B? I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Just fucking It'd be hilarious. What I also think is really cool is the implications of it is you literally could give a player a magical weapon at level one and not treat it as magical because he's beating them with the stone on the end. And and then so you couldn't... This could be a really good one if the player knows what kind of character they want to build later on but doesn't quite have the stuff to do that. Mm-hmm. So you could start them with this, beating them with the rock and the end of the sword on the, in the stone, and then eventually fight a big boss and then it breaks off and that's the magical item used to slay the big boss and become legendary and shit like that. Ooh. Or the different variant could be like a... Like the sword could be like, be like a piece bound magically inside its sheath, and the, the, the character must complete a quest to unlock it. Ooh, that quest could be something weird, like baiting a, a dragon over the head and cracking the skull with it, or something. I like that. What's that, what else is interesting is how would the 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 uh, the, the the world react to somebody walking around with a sword stuck in stone and then beating enemies with it? That'd be terrifying, I think. Yeah. And then you start talking to it. He's like, "I'm gonna need a bed for Billy." What? <laughs> Billy, he looks over at the sword in the stone sitting on a bench. <laughs> Mason, hammer, chisel, king. <laughs> so, it was a king. <laughs> so once again, this is a really, I like this concept. I've done this concept, so I know that it's hilarious. What would be interesting, though, is if the DM is, uh, if you had them run into the person that's meant to pull it. So in, let's say they pull it out and they've got this, now do you have a battle on your hand or does the, the guy just pick up and get all mad and pick up the stone and just start beating him with the rock saying you're taking my, you took my handle. <laughs> As the character, I think I would just role play it in the sense of you are the chosen one. You get to keep the sword. Congratulations. And the second he turns around, that's when I beat him upside the head with the rock. <laughs> and they give me some sort of advantage on Breaking yeah. his head open. <laughs> I don't know. I think this would be a lot of fun, and could, you could do a lot of different things with it. So. Oh, yeah. 
I think that'll do it for our character concept <laughs> of the podcast. You're not worthy. Thank you, Richard, for this bad boy. Our monster variant is the sword wing. Excuse me. Sword wings are an insect race of humanoids with strong carapace and wings. Their hands often take on the form similar to that of a bladed weapon, and they use it as such. They are known by many to be collectors, gathering rare items and arranging them in galleries within their cavernous lairs. A sword wing's collection defines it as an individual. A typical sword wing favors one particular collectible, <laughs> like Pokemon cards, while crown wings uh, keep multiple collections. Typical collectibles include skulls, weapons, gems, magic items, books, monster eggs, and victims' hearts. Um, first of all, I like this flavor a, a lot. Um, I found this bad boy in the fourth edition, and it just was awesome. Uh, <laughs> damn it tater showed up <laughs> and you thought you'd escape my wrath tonight didn't you <laughs> no oh, um, it was a question of if it was when i really like this because this could, it could be an alternative to like a dragon's horde right it can be a little collection it could be stupid shit like forks like ariel <laughs> doesn't she have like spoons and forks and stuff in her little thing in uh little mermaid um so so how do we how do we how does that flavor sound to you guys that sound pretty interesting? Like a flying insect person with an arm blade? Yep. Like which it, blade? It, I keep thinking of the uh, necromorphs <laughs> be, from be, Dead Space. Be a bee, be a sound you don't ever want to hear. <laughs> What's a, what is that? Ooh, I hate those things. <laughs> the necromorph from uh, Dead Space? Oh, right, right, right. Okay. The horror uh, game? Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Game so awesome. oh, Terrifying. The well, the first two were horror games. I only played the one. <laughs> the third one the was one. far more action-y than it should have been. Mm. Well, eh, I blame EA. Sports. It's in the <laughs> DLC. <laughs> Here's my first page for, for the resume. You told me it was two pages. The, the second page is a hundred bucks. You're hired. All right. So how do we make this bad boy using the t monster manual? Let's take a look. So we're, the st uh, origin stat block you're going to start with is the orc war chief. Um, and you're going to take away a few of its features. It's going to lose Groomsh's fury because we're going to offset that with some other features to make it a little stronger. So we had to get rid of some of its, uh, more powerful stuff. The great axe you're going to call an arm blade and the spear becomes thorn missiles. Now they're freaking bees shooting like thorn things out of its ass. <laughs> so the new features you're going to give it is you're going to give it a flying speed of 40 feet and you're going to give it a special feature called vicious opportunist. Other creatures provoke an opportunity attack from the sword wing when they are when they uh move in when they move into reach. Um, which, does that sound familiar to anybody? Yep. You, Hakusho? Oh, I was thinking pole, pole arm Master. Say, it sounds like pole arm. It's the pole arm Master feat, right? When they enter, you can make an op attack. Um. Well, I was thinking Karama, but yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Wait, the thorn whip, that's what came to mind. Oh, so. yeah, well, it's thorn missiles, but yeah, the whip thing. I love you, you Hakusho. Um. And so it says, yeah, so they just, they provoke op attacks just when they get close, which gets them an extra attack. 
and then you have dive attack. If the sword wing is flying and dives at least 20 feet straight towards a target and then hits it with a melee weapon attack, in this case it would be its arm blade, the attack deals an extra 2d6 slashing damage to the target. So this encourages a sort of diving and cutting kind of tactic, which can suck. (laughs) What do you guys think about this? Uh, This is actually a creature in an anime. Oh, yeah? Yes. Which one? It's in the first Sailor Moon movie. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, one of the creatures on this planet that's or this rock asteroid that's heading towards Earth. And uh, she kind of looks like an insect. And she's got wings. And when she flies, she brings her uh, hands to her chest and blades shoot out of her uh, elbows. elbows. That sounds cool. And she flies by, the, uh, by her enemies like that, hoping to yeah. cut them. That's cool. That's not where I got this. This is actually a monster in the 4E monster manual, and I just converted it to 5E. But um, it's very cool. I like this because <laughs> it includes a flying combat, which is something you don't see a lot of. And it has a very hit-and-run kind of style. They also have the thorn missile that gives them some uh, distant, gives them some range <laughs> attacks. What? Uh, one yeah. of those bark knows what I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Scyther! Scyther! <laughs> it's not a Pokemon, but it's very similar. It's a Chiaotzu! <laughs> Look, Vegeta, it's a Chiaotzu. Oh, it didn't work. Touch my crack with Sutukeo! Or poor Chiefing you with the Red Bull. <laughs> it all has wings. Well, without Piccolo, the Dragon Balls don't exist. Oh, I killed that guy! <laughs> Um, I really like this uh, this monster. It ca- creates a very highly mobile um, combat, and it's punishing for melee people who can't fly and just charge into this bastard because he's going to F their shit up with an uh, opportunity attack, which no player is going to expect that when they charge in that they're going to get swiped at. That's, not just some- that's just something that doesn't happen. Boot the head. <laughs> Ow! But it's a good way to capture the speed that this creature has. Now, it still provokes its own op attacks when it flies away. I didn't give it flyby or anything like that because that would have made it a little bit too powerful for the CR. But overall, it's fun. It's got a lot of great flavors. I'm really excited to build the uh, build a couple variants to this one even. So, oh, I, uh, Terry says, is there some form of offensive position that can be used to repel the monster? And... Uh, can't the monk do something like that? Or what, what was it? Uh, freaking Matt does it all the time. What? Uh, during during our games, when uh, something's about to go down, Matt, he, he does... Hides. He, he doesn't hide. It's called something else. It like, gives him advantage at not being a hit or something. Dodge. Dodge. Dodge action. <laughs> Dodge! <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, so if you're expecting it, you can prepare or you can ready an action. So it's not something you can't not beat, but... What the fuck, like Tater? A, like a potion of Justin's B.O. Uh, you drop that shit, it scatters. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> Look like the bug spray off. Oh, I get it. Buzz uh, off. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Achilles heel toilet paper. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, I think that'll do it for our monster variant, the sword wing. Oh, fuck berries. Our encounter of the po- podcast is Anastasis Karma. <laughs> A splash of acid is thrown into the face of a narcissistic noble, disfiguring it permanently. Hehe, <laughs> sucker. The task given to the PCs is figuring out who did it and why. It makes sense that it could be someone who is jealous of the beauty. The real secret is that the noble person has a child out of wedlock, 
and the person that was promised everything by said noble person, but was abandoned as they gave up everything for said noble person. So this is pretty savage shit right here. So you got a person of importance who has done something very bad. In this case, it sounds like had a child out of wetlock and abandoned whoever the mother was. Because you know noble people, they be going sleeping around and all that shit. Well, this one actually ended up giving birth and by promising something to that mother, like a life of rich and wealth, and then bailing on it, you develop a sort of hate. And what is the best way to go after somebody with a love of their looks? Melt that shit. And their beauty. Yeah. And so the goal behind this is this person plays innocent. Why would they do this to me? I can't look at myself anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And the PCs now are sent on a more investigative quest. Not so much necessarily combat-oriented, but... Hey, you need to find out why this did. And it could be as simple as jealousy. That would be a very light-ended one. Mm -hmm. But making it where there's actually a story tied to it, having a child out of wedlock, how are the PCs going to handle dealing with somebody who just wanted revenge for somebody who, for this, uh, against this noble who promised them all this stuff and they gave up their virginity or whatever stuff they had to be with this person. Maybe it's one of those Romeo and Juliet and the dad and parents hate each other or whatever. But um, in either way, either case, the players investigate this and now they're stuck with a decision. If they find the person who's responsible, do they, do they lean on that and say, hey, you know what? This person was justified in what they did. Or is it more or less, you still have to go to jail, bitch? I'll admit, what the guy did was a dick move, but you still broke the law. <laughs> <laughs> Wizard Cadius says most medieval nobles were bald due to syphilis. It's true. That's why they wore wigs. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, uh, what if this had like a a twist in the actual story? Uh, of course, if the noble gets ass thrown in his face, there's one specific uh, person who do you think it is. Hmm. But... What if that person never intended to actually do anything like that? Instead, they had a debt to someone else that they're not paying for, and they're saying, okay, I'm just going to screw your day up, and they knew about what was going on between these two, threw acid in his face, and now she gets in trouble because of that. Bum, bum, bum! Damn, that's a hell of a twist. So it wasn't even her fault, or his fault, or whoever it is. Yeah. Sounds like something you hear in the soap opera. I know, right? Well, that was kind of what I was going for when I woke it up. We were watching Elementary, and this something like this happened in it. So I was like, that would be a good investigative encounter. So overall, I think this is a fun encounter and would be a good thing to, to in, introduce some different different style uh, um, encounter to your game, especially if you're more on the hot of combat style stuff. Um, what? <laughs> Dater. How do you know that, wizard? I hope that's not from experience. What's he talking about? The oh, the, the syphilis thing? <laughs> that's funny. Um, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, the narcissist's karma. Don't be a narcissistic bastard, by the way. Brandon, yeah, don't be a narcissist. <laughs> Would you like to tell us about our magic item today? Our magic item this week is the Flask of the Philosopher. It is a wondrous item, and it is very rare. This flask contains a sparkling pink liquid. When consumed, it heals for 4d4 plus 4 hit points and cure any poisonous... Or, shit. <laughs> and cure any poison or disease. The flask magically refills at dawn. 
Ooh. So this is a really simple one. That, uh-huh. sounds, that sounds super rare. Uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, it's great because, first of all, uh, I play too much Path of Exile. And guess what happens when you have their, they have their flasks? They refill. Yeah, they refill. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. I was like, why don't potions refill? So I found a nice magical one that refills with the blood of enemies. It's actually a conspiracy among the wizards so they can uh, keep uh, charging more for, for potions and keep selling them again and again. <gasps> oh my god, didn't that happen? <laughs> Something like that happened in uh, the... Uh, um, Stormlight Archives. Yeah. And one, and one of the guys finds out that this really common uh, material makes medicine, but none of the, the, the merchants tell anybody except each other. Right. And so they all know it, and they're out gathering all these things, but it's they're, they charge an arm and a leg. They, are, they charge an arm and a leg, and the military's none the wiser. <laughs> it's like how... It's like grass. It's like how chemists could make light bulbs that they'll never burn out. <laughs> but why would they when you're going to keep buying them? <laughs> yep. So actually, I think there's like a uh, webcam that's pointing at a light bulb that's been on for over a hundred years at the firehouse. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I like this. I think it's very basic, and I think it's a good. This is a really good example of an item that would be great in a in a party without any sort of healing or a nice reward for doing a quest. Not necessarily something you find, but maybe you do a quest for that, that alchemist and he promises this wonderful thing uh, for you. Knobweed. <laughs> Look at that. Knobweed sat. Wizards, my, my, my man. Stormlight Archives is a shit. Uh, all right. That'll do it for our magic item of the podcast. Our dungeon master tip is... Build encounters using uncommon features. So something there are some features in the game that players, characters have that just aren't getting the love in in um, attention that they should. And honestly, I blame this on the DM because it's our responsibility to include these opportunities for the player to get use out of these functions. And I'm going to be outright serious. The most common one is the ranger's favorite terrain, or favorite enemy. <laughs> Or, or favorite enemy, I didn't actually include that because I'm a schmuck, but... Well, I said half jok- jokingly, half the ranger's features. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's a really good example because if the ranger picks, you know, like the the ice ice land is their, their favorite terrain and you never adventure on ice, what the fuck, you know? They're yep. never going to get use out of it. If you, you pick the orc as your favorite, uh, um, favorite um, villain or what is it? Favorite, uh, favorite enemy. Favorite, yeah, enemy. favorite enemy. And you never run into orcs. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> it's up to us as the DM to include those features in a way that makes it impactful for the player so they feel like they're getting the most out of each and every one of those features. Or like uh, you pick kobolds as your favorite enemy and you do fight to fight it for the first few sessions, but then you never see them again. Never see them again, yeah. Um, so it, don't do not do that. It's... You can give them, your players will thank you, I promise. For instance, you know, Warlock patrons, those play a big part of that character's story and their, their, that character's, um, design for something not to ever be, uh, happen tied to their patrons is just ridiculous. Sorry. Oh yeah. Tater says my name tag is wrong. Cause it says, still says God King and not Gord King. <laughs> yeah. We re- we referenced the, the big three foot long, uh, giant gourd that I was, uh, using. You mean you wish. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Um, so there's some other things that are similar. We've talked in the past about Thieves' Camp, but never like Druid, Druidic. Druidic is a, a core thing of Druids. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been in a game where that's come into play. And shame on me as a DM, because I had a Druid 
Or Thieves Can't. Several times. Huh? Or Thieves Can't. Yeah, that's why well, I started with that, and I said <laughs> we've talked about that. Was it as a bounty hunter with no bounties? Yeah, there you go. There's another one. That I mean, those are those are key features. What about the um, the uh, the fighters know thy enemy, where they got to observe something for a minute to really understand it. If you never give them the opportunity to observe that thing, then what? Nothing, right? They're never going to use it, so they're going to feel like it's a wasted feature. So as a DM, it take time to consider those uncommon features and spells and skills that that players take, and, and you find a way to include them where they would get use in your game. Any other points on this, B? What do you think about this? Birds with no hops. That's funny. Yeah. I think it would be something super helpful for the players. Yeah. Because uh, so many of them just go through campaign and they don't get to use all these special abilities they have. Like, yeah. Uh, was it Brick? Yeah, Brick is a uh, ranger blade dancer, right? Yes. Yeah, so you took uh, uh, goblins as your favorite enemy. Yep. And there were goblins in the campaign. He's like, hey, there's, a, there's creatures over here that I know about. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel like it wasn't wasted, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Druids and no groves. Groves <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no traps. traps. <laughs> yeah, just keep them coming. Uh, but, there, I mean, the list goes on and on, and there, that shit happens. So, yeah, whores with no patience. With no magic. <laughs> That'll do it for our DM tip. Uh, building counters with uncommon PC features. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by reversing stereotypes. There's nothing wrong with leaning on the stereotypes when crafting the personality of your character. If you wish to play a stereotypical paladin filled with righteousness and piety, or a sneaky and sketchy rogue. Rogue is spelled wrong. Did you spell rouge? No, I cop. I that, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Get out of here. <laughs> rouge, rouge one. Uh, rogue with uh, 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 playing a sketchy rogue with loose morals. Go for it. Or to shake things up, simply reverse stereotypes. You could have a a bard that is awkward and shy. Um, I mean, that that right there is interesting. How much different would that be when you're the only bard that doesn't interact with people? Like you just play a little ding ding dong ding dong, like a like a dinner bell or something, and you don't talk to anybody. And <laughs> what is the one? What is the? There was somewhere I saw that where a guy's got a little tiny guitar and he just plucks it once or twice occasionally. I don't remember what that was, but um, you can you know reversing stereotypes often gives you a lot of uh, creative room. Uh, because when you come up with, uh, why the character isn't what people, uh, when you come up with characters that isn't what <laughs> the people expect, you can really throw them for a loop, I think. Can you give a bard using, a uh, what was that, where they make fun of somebody and they, vicious you know, mockery, vicious <laughs> mockery, <laughs> and he goes, and you go, I'm going to use vicious mockery. All right, do it. You're just a stupid peckerhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good example. Okay. I like that. Your, your mother is like. Classy lady. <laughs> a barbarian um, with 180 IQ. <laughs> uh, excuse me, sir. If you continue to insult me, I will be forced to thrash you in ways that will make every bone in your body hurt. Yep. Actually, it was a kid, yes, that makes me of a character. Counts up I read online once of a guy once asked his DM if he could play a wizard in the campaign. He's like, yeah, sure, why not? But this just up the following week with a havoc barbarian. <laughs> but he took the scholar background, and his purpose backstory was he went to Winston School, but didn't know magic. But they let him in on the football scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
so the other thing that I, I like um, about this is if you could you imagine being in a room with a, a, a paladin and he's sitting there with this holy symbol and everything and the rogues rather slip their throat and he's like, aren't you supposed to help me? Eh. <laughs> I don't know. Ch- consider changing those stereotypes. Like 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 uh, halflings are considered uh, tinkerer. They're tinkerers. Gnome. Gnome is the tinkerer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they they're into all the tinkering with all these things. And what if you have a gnome that just doesn't care about any of that? He's just like, yeah, my family tinkers with stuff. I think that's a waste of time. I mean, what the hell are you gonna do with a widget anyway? You know what I mean? <laughs> Stupid widget doesn't do nothing. A mermaid that's hydrophobic. I'm afraid of water. What? Why? You, you, you live in the... Have you seen what's in the ocean? That stuff is scary. <laughs> Eric Okura, who doesn't like to fly because he's afraid of heights. <laughs> Did you ever watch uh, the old show Meteor Man? When he first learns to fly, he literally flies like two feet above the ground. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's afraid of heights. It's uh, funny. Bart, he's tone deaf. Yeah. So there's a lot you can do by reversing the 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 stereo. What about a rogue? Instead of being sneaky, he just runs into everything like he's Steve Urkel, and he's super clumsy, so he's constantly <laughs> bumping in and tripping over stuff. Oh, uh, he's like, I'm being stealthy, not when you're yelling. <laughs> like, or <laughs> he'll clear out an area. He'll walk into a room. He looks around. All right, guys. I don't see anybody. Let me uh, let me get sneak in here. He he sneakily gets around, and then he says, "Hey, it's clear." <laughs> um, oh my god! My paladin <laughs> during that one shot You're at gonna... Jasper's. Oh, dude, I liked your. I you do. You are a pretty good role player. You know that. Yeah. Good thing you're on the show. I just left at the fact that it's like, okay, guys, I'll scout ahead in the room. <laughs> Roll like a one on perception. Three spiders dropped down, tried to attack me. All three of them missed. <laughs> Went back up. Looks clear. Yep. <laughs> There's nothing in here. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god. So A, a uh, one-handed part with a two-handed instrument. <laughs> <laughs> um, I play the cello with my feet. <laughs> yeah, the strength-based rogue, I've done that. That's pretty fun. When he breaks the lock with his... He's like, I'm going to pick the lock, and he just breaks it. <laughs> I, know I know I in the past pitched a bard who plays a didgeridoo. Didgeridoo, that's awesome. Um, all right. I should play for you to solve my people. <laughs> I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Uh, don't, don't be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by reversing stereotypes. <laughs> now, before we close out, uh, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of our boy, Jeff Stevens. A small village, empty of villages, except for one boy, found sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon. The boy explains that the villagers, including his family, followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kids? Brandon, who's our winner today? Our winner is Lyra304. Congratulations, Lyra. Bye, Chuckles. <laughs> nice of you to stop in. 
<laughs> Mage that doesn't believe in magic. That's funny. It's not magic, it's science. Congratulations, Lyra 304. If you enjoy the adventure, leave Jeff Stevens a review. Um, oh, yeah. We are going to AkataCon. If you go to their website, AkataCon.com, <laughs> you will notice that there is a group of three fugly guys on there that are considered special guests. We don't know how. Yeah, it's weird how that <laughs> happened. Call me fugly? I certainly did, yes. God, you floss your teeth with my butt hair. <laughs> Um, so we're really excited for that. We will each be running games. Have you guys signed up for your games? You need to fucking do no, that. No, I have not. I you need, need to. to do that. The deadline's yeah. November. Um, we <laughs> will be, like I forgot what to run. We will be running a show um, from the convention. So if you come to the convention, you'll see us there. We're going to do something really special. So there's a game I want to play. Uh, I haven't decided on a name, but it's going to be like something along the lines like Dumber Than the, than the Academy, where we will pick an audience member. And they will be tasked with answering like five questions in 90 seconds. And they're all going to be D&D uh, related. And you're going to take that test and answer those questions compared to one of us on the table. And if you beat us, a special prize will be offered. Um, and it's something that if it works really well, I might do more. We'll see how that goes. But I'm really excited. Uh, sign up for ticket holders in real soon. Oh, I need to do that. Uh, okay. what, I, ticket holders? Does that mean you like buy tickets for the games? I don't know. I got to oh. check that. Yeah. <laughs> he says special. Oh, what the quotes. fuck, Chuckles? <laughs> um, so I'm really excited excited for that. Um, currently, my okay. plan is to give away some special prizes during our panel. Um, we will be running games, so that'll be fun. Uh, I'll be running D&D. I don't know about these guys. I keep going um, back and forth. I'm going to let you run. Yeah, well, you should sign up quickly. I fell out the slot. So uh, we're really excited for that. There's going to be some small changes coming to the show. Um, I want to make, make it more robust. We want to get more involved on twitch so we'll probably be setting up like a, a number you can call because we want to get like with skype apparently people can call in so yeah. we can do call-ins and do uh continue the uh games that way i want to do more active stuff so i want to get you guys more involved and do lots of fun <laughs> giveaways and stuff like that, hey, look so. that we got our first skype call Hello, caller. This is uh, Critic Academy Online. You're a bunch of fags. <laughs> okay, let's go on. That guy was an idiot. No. Anyway, so we're really excited, and we're trying to get more uh, 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 in. We will see about that. That's not what I've got signed up, but there's no reason why I can't run a WoW-based uh, uh, game there. Um, I do have all the files for that, so we'll what? see how that goes. Um, anyways, yeah. that was some of the big stuff that I wanted to talk about. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, but... Oh, if you don't know, as of this recording, October 1st, a couple days away, our Oath of the Voidwalker Paladin option is coming out. You'll see uh, in the little link below, you can see the dope-ass cover uh, down there. It's a, a, a paladin from a little different perspective, and it's a little bit, it's quite a bit fun. Our gold-tier patrons have already got their complimentary copy, so you can support us there and check that shit out. So, anyways... Yeah. So make sure to join us on next week's episode. Um, if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at criticademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. Well, we hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or platform of your choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Pro tip, even if you don't have iTunes... Um, or Apple products, you can actually sign up and leave a review, um, which really helps us because all the like podcatcher programs use that that Apple system. 
So you can really support our show by leaving a, uh, leaving a review on that. It only takes a minute of your time, costs no money. Um, if you'd like to support us in a more monetary way, you can purchase our fat loots, our, our DM skilled products. If you want something physical, like a nice t-shirt, we got cool t-shirts in the, the links down below, or you can find them at our website. Um, I, I do, I, uh, lots of fat loots on Patreon, lots of good stuff for you guys there. Brandon does art. You can find that stuff on, uh, Facebook. Uh, but more importantly, make sure to subscribe to our show on, uh, at CritAcademy.com and please, please, please follow us on Twitch and, uh, subscribe on YouTube, uh, so we can help you on your future adventures as well as, uh, be entered to win cool prizes each and every single week. Uh, also make sure to check out our fantastic fellowship members. Huge shout out to Interparty Conflict. <laughs> Gabe and Jeff do an amazing job of answering your question brute force and ignorance is an actual play podcast with some people that who are just funny as hell i love dan west you shout out to you you guys do great jobs also if you haven't followed him already uh the kind gm on twit twitter and facebook at the kind gm check him out a plethora of golden content for you to consume yeah, we had him on last week. He was yep. he was a great guy. Pretty yeah. awesome guy. So that episode will be coming out soon. Uh, I am your host, Justin. My co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.